Hello, friends. Welcome to Play Along Podcast, a podcast where we play through games. In the last episode, we had wrapped up our time in Metal Gear Solid. Uh, and today we're going to be talking about our time with Intelligent Cube. I'm one of your hosts, Jared, and I'm here with the squad. Kai and Ben, how you guys doing today? Are we supposed to talk at the same time? <laughs> yes. I want you both to interrupt each other oh, and okay. say hi and hello. Uh, hello. Oh. Hello. Uh, hi, guys. Hi. Uh, so in this episode, we are going to talk about our time with Intelligent Cube. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Intelligent- AKA makes you feel not so intelligent, Cube. <laughs> not so intelligent, Cube. Uh, normally what we do with when we start a new game is I kind of want to, I always gauge, you know, our exposure or our time with this game prior to recording this uh, or playing it for the podcast. Kai and I have never played this, but Ben, you said that you played it as a kid. Do you remember a lot of that? Or do you just kind of like have some vague memories of playing this? Because Yeah, so it was it was one of those things where I believe it was actually on a demo disc. Mm. I believe there was a demo of like the first two levels. Um Honestly, that's fine. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, So obviously we sort of, we were doing these in-between episodes and I was like, what's something we can play? Um, And obviously you bought a classic, like I've said before. Yeah. PlayStation classic. And I saw Intelligent Cube was on there. And looking at it kind of triggered some very vague memories of cubes and marking spots and so I was like, okay, well, let's give that a go. Let's see what that's like. Because I was struggling to find something. Right. Um, and my exposure to it is is that, is very, very obscure flashbacks to mm-hmm. to being a small child and having some cube puzzle game. <laughs> that is that is it. Yeah. Because uh, I know you guys, you had the PlayStation, because obviously you had the PlayStation Classic when I recommended it. You said right. that you'd had a, a little trial yeah, we like because you oh, was just messing around with the games. Yeah, so when we bought the PS One Classic, we kind of just jumped into all the games. There's like 20 games available on there. I was like, oh, let's, let's try all these out and see what they're like. Uh, Intelligent Cube was one of them we tried, but I think even at that time when we tried it, we weren't even playing the game the right way. We played it for like maybe five minutes and then yeah. moved on. Yeah, uh, the row of blocks came at us, and we were like, whoa, this is too much for us. <laughs> and then yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, we we had played like a section, but first we didn't even understand the concept or the rules of this game and we didn't put any amount of time in it enough to kind of warrant a you know opinion opinion on it so so we're doing now Mm. and opinions there are oh i have a whole bag of them (laughs) all right so So, i was gonna say do you want to talk about it a little bit before we uh yeah i was just gonna go and read kind of the description here of what uh wikipedia calls this game so intelligent cube is a puzzle game for the playstation uh one. You, playstation one yeah. which is called the playstation back then they didn't have a really one. the p yeah. the psx if you're one of the cool kids yeah there actually was no one it's just playstation but i didn't know that yeah that's super cool fun fact of the day uh in this game you control a little character who has to run around a platform uh, made of cubes and you're also clearing cubes as they approach you um you do that by kind of marking the spot that they're going to fall on and as you do that you mark it and it clears that cube uh, and your whole objective is to clear all the gray cubes out that are that are coming towards you, and also you know not be crushed by these cubes as well. Uh, yeah. So this is you. Yeah, like you said, you're you're trying to destroy these cubes, but it's a bit more complex than that because you have the forbidden cube. Yes. And these are black cubes that you're not allowed to. So you 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 mark a spot on the floor as active and then as the cube is about to roll onto it you press the button again and then the cube that lands on it will be captured 
if it's a gray cube that's good if it's a black cube that's very bad right and what that actually does is gets rid of a row of blocks at the end of the platform correct essentially making it so that you have less space to work with making it more likely for you to fall off and fail mm-hmm. and then you also have these green cubes which i think they call advantage cubes yeah so like some of these weren't were more of a disadvantage uh, than an advantage these were my downfall but uh, yeah. so the idea is when you capture them they mark a green spot on the floor and at any point you can press triangle and it will get rid of the six cubes around it right so the idea is that you can use this advantage cube to wipe out big areas um but i know i did and you, you've alluded to that once you because you can have multiple down i think at one point right, three right. or four down and, th- and that's what i was going to say too i think that's where it gets complicated because you'll have multiple down and then you'll like see a situation where you're like wow i can like get rid of a lot of cubes in this area but then you forget about your green one and the green one is near a forbidden cube and you take out like three forget- forbidden cubes and that takes three rows out from behind you just totally ruining that run for you yeah because the, the the problem i had was the not only was it that, but it's every single forbidden cube that you destroy is one or row. capture, I should say, is one row. Right. So there were points where I had like two green advantage spots and I was taking like three or four forbidden cubes because I wasn't fully, I was trying to rush through the section. Yeah. Um, and so I was losing like three or four rows and it really, it messes because if you get run over by one of the blocks. Oh, the whole, the, they just all roll over you and go to the end. Yeah, they go to the end and the game will say there's five forbidden blocks in there and they roll to the end. The game will get rid of five rows. So the shorter the space gets, the less space you have to work with, the more likely you are to be run over by a cube, the more likely you are to lose rows at the end. Um, But yeah, but surprisingly, I was going to say surprisingly, even though we're making it sound shit, this game was, was rated very well. Yeah, it it was surprisingly well. IGN gave it an 8 out of 10 when this game came out, which... It won the Excellence Award for Interactive Art in 1997 at the Japan Media Arts Festival and was well-received by critics for some reason. Which, I, I mean... Which critics? Right. Where are they? <laughs> yeah, where, who are these people? Who are the critics? To play Devil's Advocate back in 97, this was probably a good game. No, come on, man. Come on, seriously. No, I. But out of in, in in 1998, we've played two games that were in 98, and even the length and the way in which it was developed and the lack of mechanism change over the eight levels, which I'm sure we'll get into each of the eight levels that don't really function. But I don't. I, as far as interactive art goes, I don't think it does anything interesting from an artistic perspective. I. I think it's interesting because this game feels like it's early rogue light type of genre. Like when you die in this game, you don't start over from the very beginning, but you do start over from the beginning of the uh, what is it, stage that you're on. So if you're on like the fifth stage, if you die halfway through, then you you go back to the beginning of the fifth stage. I feel like that's how a lot of puzzle games are set up, though. Is you, yeah. you play them in stages, and then you just reset the stage. Right. The but, interesting thing is that you have an aggregate score in this game, which right. resets as well. Which, which scores your intelligence at the end, which... Uh, which is just hurtful. It really is. Mm, mine mine yeah. wasn't very high, and I'm sad. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where to start with this game because you guys said there's eight stages. Um, yes. Each one gets progressively harder. Yeah. Uh, so very early on, I was getting sorry. As I said, very early yeah. on, I was getting like 
not many forbidden cubes and lots of advantage cubes right. and then by stage four it was mixed up in such a way that it was quite hard yeah truth so be told ju just for some context here too on the first stage there will be three rows of three rows of four length blocks so 12 blocks essentially and those are coming at you and as you get farther the number of blocks increase, the number of forbidden cubes increase. On the last stage, there's 14 rows of seven blocks, which is 98 oh cubes. Uh, 98 blocks, sorry. Uh, yeah, so as you continue, it progressively gets harder. Uh, and towards some of those later runs, like you're not only just getting rid of the gray cubes, but you're also like maneuvering through this kind of maze to not be crushed by cubes and to get to the other side. Cause I definitely had situations where like I got most or if not all of the great cubes, but I was trapped by forbidden cubes. So I couldn't avoid being crushed by them. So moving around through this kind of maze is just another uh, aspect that you have to think about when playing through this game. Yeah. I mean, I definitely thinking about it. I do agree with Kai in that this game shouldn't have won an innovative art award. I wouldn't yeah, go so far yeah. as to call it innovative. I don't know what else came out in 97. I'm sure there was something more innovative than this. Yeah, I mean... Um, it, like, one I mean, thing like, I'm curious... Yeah, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, the one thing I'm curious about is, did you guys try the two-player? <laughs> no. No, because we, <laughs> we, we saw that there was two players, but we saw that it's, it's like a separate section of the game. You know, the, the multiplayer is only five levels, and that's that's separate from the eight that you have to play through to technically like beat quote-unquote beat the game and you take turns which is strange oh, so it's not two player at all yeah it doesn't run two of them side by side you like take turns making decisions which is interesting okay so, right but i mean as frustrated as i was playing this alone i can't imagine how much i would just be yelling at kai if we played this together yeah there'd be a lot of screaming uh that being said i think this game is okay and to defend that like every time i would go through a run and I would be, you know, either crushed by the blocks or I would be, you know, accidentally hit a forbidden cube. I'd be like, okay, let's go back. Let's try this again. It had that like one more time mentality that kind of had me hooked. That I wanted to come back and try again so I can get either a perfect run. Uh, also, if you do get a perfect run, if you clear all the gray cubes without destroying a forbidden cube or anything like that, it adds another row to the, the very end of the, the platform that you're standing on. You know, so if you lost any from activating a forbidden cube, you can gain those back by getting perfects yes yes you can um but counterpoint this game sucks <laughs> i have an no i have an article here i was saying okay, to you guys yeah. i found an article from yeah, yeah. ign back in 97 this game cost 40 dollars when it came out <laughs> that's kind of wild <laughs> that's that's 40 1997 dollars someone get me an inflation calculator on that yeah i'm gonna do it now you guys talk while i work this out okay well i mean it, it's 40 but we had looked at looked at this prior to the recording, but copies of this game still run for that price and more, like between forty and sixty dollars. Like copies of this game are selling on eBay in like the last you know couple weeks, last month for the same price, if not more, if it's yeah. released. So, so, so let's yeah. talk, let's talk about narrative because <laughs> I was to say I've, I found the price very quickly. If you wanted to know, okay, okay, well, what is it? Sixty six dollars and one cent. So it'd be almost okay, like a full it's a price, full game. price game. <laughs> Great. Oh. Uh, all right. <clears throat> there is no narrative in the game. You have no reasoning for what is happening to you. Right. Uh, which okay. Also, you exist in in a void of puzzle 
uh, hell, but you have a character, but you don't see from the perspective of that character. No. So you play a small humanoid very, man uh, that is on a pathway of, you know, different blocks that are coming at you. Um, but you see from the top. So you're not seeing the perspective of the character, but you're meant to control the character, which is very confusing because if you played the game in the perspective of the character, you wouldn't actually be able to play the game. You wouldn't see anything. Right. So it's a very like, you don't feel connected to the character because you don't, you're not experiencing the world in which that character exists in. Yeah. And I think, I mean, they might've had this work. Cause I, I think if you took out the character and just had like an icon, like if you had like a, a cursor that moved around the blocks, like, that would also work, but then it would take away, like I said before, it would take away kind of the maze aspect of this as well. So like you wouldn't have to worry about getting stuck behind forbidden cubes or having to like worm your way through them to make it out safely if there was just like a cursor. And I think that's probably why they made it like an actual person. But no, you're right. There's no there's no uh, attachment to uh, yeah, like Jim Bob. Well, that's the other thing. If, if you made it where there is a reasoning I'm doing something other than trying to figure out an arbitrary uh, IQ in quotations where you're it's like, I can hell. feel like a, a, a smart boy. Uh, but like, what what is my what is my reasoning? What's my what, motivation? Yeah, what what is the motivation of the character? Why is he trying to do this? Okay, my my entire <laughs> opinion of this game has just changed because. <laughs> In we positive or negative? No, in negative. <laughs> oh, no. okay. okay. <laughs> because, so we were talking about it, and I've been thinking, thinking, I was like, okay, you know, 98, we had Ocarina, we had Metal Gear Solid. What come out in 1997? Did Final Fantasy VII come out in 97? I know it came out uh, around then. I, I don't know. know, but in terms of puzzle games, 1997 was the same year that Odd, Oddworld Abe's Odyssey and The Curse of Monkey Island released. Oh, well, you know. Uh... <laughs> but this is an 8 out of 10, guys. <laughs> so, I mean, and they won an Innovative Art Award in Japan over maybe, fucking maybe Japan Abe's Odyssey. Maybe Japan didn't like Abe's Odyssey or uh, Escape Monkey Island. You heard it here first. Japan hates good games. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's wild. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Let's no. talk about one of... Sorry, I was just going to say, because I, I was thinking, because when Kai started talking about the narrative, I was like, well, when did the narrative to puzzle games become Start. a fin? That, that but year. it was already yeah. fin. It was already, <laughs> no, it was already out. You're so. right. Because I also made the argument, you know, off mic of, you know, this was a fun puzzle game for 97. And granted, I hadn't played those other two, but those other two are critically acclaimed <laughs> as being fantastic puzzle games and also having a compelling narrative to go along with it. Yeah. Oh, Abe's Odyssey has an amazing narrative. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, sorry, intelligent. Uh, <laughs> one, of, one of my biggest issues with this game is not the length, which is, though brief, I think one of the benefits is that oh. you don't have to do this for eternity. Oh, it, okay. it, it takes you, if this was any longer than it already was, I would not have finished it. My, my issue is what keeps puzzle games interesting, especially in this setup. And, and I think this setup moved from being a console... Uh, type game and it moved to mobile kind of in the early 2000s yeah. when when obviously the iPhone became popular in the App Store and then developing games for mobile. This kind of game is very well suited for that platform, but it, there's nothing that changes. There's no development in what you're doing. It just gets progressively harder, but none of the mechanisms, like you have no extra ability as it gets harder. Yeah. Once you play the first level you and understand how the game works, that's it. Those are the mechanisms you use. And through the eight levels, none of that changes. And it's like, well, that isn't very compelling. Like, as the game progressively gets harder, you need to be able to change the way you play it to, you know, effectively be like, oh, 
this is the new setup. This is what's going to keep it interesting. But you're just playing through eight levels that are all... It, it would have been interesting if they added, like... And maybe not replaced the existing cubes, but added other cubes. Like, as you progress yeah. through uh, different mm-hmm. stages, there was different cubes that did different things. Maybe, like, almost a theme. You know, like, maybe the first couple levels, the theme is, like, the green blocks. And the next is, like, the forbidden cubes. And you go after that. And it's, like, these cubes, instead of doing, like, the six cubes around it, do, like, a row or a column and stuff like that. Like, I think adding those things would, you know, help keep the game feeling a little more fresh. I mean, not, not only that, you could have, like... Because at a certain the the amount of cubes on the horizontal plane continue to increase through the game, so it's yes. you know you start with four and then it'll go to five and six and seven cubes across. So you can have three cubes move, then three cubes move. So like left and right, like marching, and it switches mm. up. And even that would be more interesting than what they did. But it's literally just the whole wave of them always coming at you. Yeah, and then they just increase the amount of black danger cubes or whatever they're called forbidden cubes, <laughs> forbidden cubes. <laughs> black danger cubes yeah even if you did fins like you know some cubes have to be captured twice or mm-hmm. you know like like you guys said some kind of mechanic like you didn't have to introduce the advantage cubes and the forbidden cubes straight from the level one no yeah you know stage one could have just been here's how you capture these cubes it's too wide uh, and then gradually progress it if you do decide to play this game, I recommend you play the, uh, well, not the demo. What's it? Like the intro? Oh, that, the that, basic rules. Yeah, the basic rules. Because it doesn't give you any of that. Because that's what we did, too. Because, again, we we started this up from playing this. We're like, yeah, let's jump into it. But still didn't know how to play it. So we're like, okay, let's let's do a tutorial. And the tor- tutorial kind of explained how this game works, what the cubes are, what's your objective and stuff like that. But honestly, like you were saying, Kai, if you play that, like that's... All, that's as far as it goes like nothing else happened aside from it just getting progressively more difficult uh let's yeah. talk, let's talk about a positive of this game because i feel like we're being very negative and i do have i do have some i have a I positive think. as well and i'm curious if our positives are the uh, same the score yeah well, is so first of all beautiful <laughs> we talked about uh was is escape monkey island um lucas was that lucas games that made that uh i want to say yeah I knew there was a Lucas Lucas Arts game or whatever. Anyways, the whole point was this sounds like it was composed by George Lucas because John Williams. John Williams. Oh, the music is amazing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, it's like when you sorry when you said score, I thought you meant as in the score of the game, and I was like, okay, all right, let's see where we go with this. No, 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 no. I have I have thoughts on that that uh, are negative. <laughs> John Williams. The music. We, we we kind of brushed over that, but I meant John Williams. I know what I'm talking about. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like George Lucas composed it. <laughs> no, but it's it's strange because like the the music doesn't fit the game really at all, <laughs> but it makes it feel so much more epic than it needs to be and which adds to like the appeal and the stress at the same time uh, just to give you an idea because i don't think any of you after hearing how much we're shitting on this game we're gonna play, play it uh just just 15 seconds of silence so that we can add a clip of the music here And then you can edit it, but uh, yeah, that that it, it makes you feel like you're in a fantasy film. It's, yeah, I was sitting there, wild. I was playing the fourth stage, and I was like, 
I felt like I was on Tatooine or something. Yeah, and there was like, it had like Star Wars and like Indiana Jones vibes. It's like, what is this game? What's maybe happening? maybe that's how they tricked the Japan Media Arts Festival into thinking it was amazing, is <laughs> it just sounds amazing. And they're like, but, maybe maybe it won because of the innovative music maybe. rather than the. I mean, Takayuki Hattori was the composer of this game, and just, you know, hats off to him because. Hats off to you for the. That was a very. Yeah, you were very you. like, you're ready for that. Yeah, I was. Uh, but yeah, the the music in this game is wild. Like I said, it if you do listen to it, it doesn't fit at all. Like you would think it'd be more like electronic and like I don't know, like fit the vibe of this like <clears throat> cube abyss that you're in. But One thing I will say about the music is that in this time, developers tended to go towards more electronic ambient music because mm. it's less repetitive. It's easier to kind of just like fall away. And you can listen to it over and over and over again, which is nice because it doesn't fatigue you as much as I would say this does. Like, while the music is very beautifully composed, it, you know, the 15th time playing through the same level and listening to it loop over and over again, you're like, okay, I'm tired of this polka I've been listening to for the last (laughs) 15 minutes. It's no sorry as something. (laughs) (laughs) I will say that, like, when you're playing, like, I got distracted enough where, like, I didn't notice it, but, you know, Kai sitting next to me watching me play, I just hear him like, is this, I'm tired of this fucking music. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, oh, I, I didn't even notice. Yeah. I'm surprised you beat it. I'm still trying to, I get, like I said, I think I said before recording, I gave up after the fifth stage. Yeah, I'd so, been playing for about two and a half hours and I was like, nothing's, there's no new mechanics. I understand this game. I can't yeah. be bothered. I, I don't know. I, I, I agree with all your points and I agree that this is not a great game, especially learning what else came out this year. But for some reason, while I was playing this, I was like, I, I have to continue. Like, every time I died, I was like, nope, I can go back in. I can do that better. I can get a perfect. I can, like, I, I kept feeling challenged. I kept feeling compelled to get to the end and finish this. Granted, at level seven and eight, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm kind of done with this. And then after eight, <laughs> there's, there's eight stages. But after you beat the eighth one, there's a final stage, which after that, I was like, I, I told you too. I was like, watch, there's going to be like some hidden stage that they weren't talking about. Yeah, there was. And what's more difficult about this stage is it doesn't show the area where you've uh, activated. So you have to just remember where you've placed, like where you've placed blocks down or green blocks and stuff like that, or like count. Like I had to do, I had to count a lot in this section. Uh, it wasn't pretty, but I made it through the this, this final section. And would you, would you like to share your IQ with the audience? Yes. So I got a amazing IQ score of nine. <laughs> Now, I'm just going to ask how they work this out, because I have no clue. It's so strange. So essentially, like, if you can go through the game without dying, it, like, ranks your IQ at the end. I don't know arbitrarily how that works, but that's just how it goes. If you die at any point of that, they kind of reset, you know, ranking you or, or, or... gauging your iq and i died a but lot. That's, not, that's not even necessarily true because when we died we got through the first level uh with almost all perfects except for the the first one it and then the we, first couple stages, and then we yeah. died and we had an iq of 123 yeah and then we ended the game playing through all the levels with an iq of nine which is like wait, but i think i, 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 made, it I made it through like those first couple ones without dying though and then i did die and i got a 120 or whatever and then i got to like I don't know, the seventh stage, but I died a lot and it kind of resets your IQ every time you die. Yeah. Yeah, because what I noticed was when you were playing, there was a score in the top right. Is that what that is? That like fraction? I couldn't figure out what that was. There was a fraction in the top right. And what I noticed is that every time a forbidden cube went over the edge, the denominator went up one. 
And then every time you manage to score a perfect or once you've finished, like say you got rid of a forbidden cube, but you've done the rest of it okay, it would boost the score up. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how they were working out. It was like a forbidden cube took one off, but a normal cube added one on. Yeah, so it was like I, a I, sort of like a tally system or something. I it was very confusing. It. I couldn't figure it out at all. I just saw this. Uh, good for this game making the number of one's IQ even more irrelevant than the actual <laughs> IQ test, which <laughs> is <laughs> not a great system to measure intelligence anyway. But uh, an- another function that this game does is at the bottom right, there is kind of these these highlighted dashes. And in the beginning, you'll have three. And as you progress, you'll get a little more. Essentially, what those are is like, you get leeway to the amount of gray cubes you miss. So, you know, forbidden cubes are supposed to fall off the edge. Like, you don't want to activate those. But if you miss any of the regular gray ones you're supposed to activate, then you have you have some leeway until it'll break out uh, one of the rows at the very end. So, like, again, it starts with three. And if three go over the edge, then, like, it'll, it'll uh, destroy uh, the row at the very end. But as you go through, that, that number increases. So you do have a little leeway if you miss any of the gray cubes. Mm. Yeah, I do. I want to make an argument, actually, because I feel like this game would fit like an arcade setting. Yeah. Like, I mean, a physical arcade. If you were yeah. somewhere and it was like, oh, if you can beat this stage, then you get like whatever prize on the wall or something, you know. Right. It reminds me of like, I'm sure you guys have them in the States as well. Like there's yeah, yeah. like an arcade where like the the game is that the blocks are running along the bottom and you have to like you hit the, the button, button to like stack to them on them top. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, something like that, you know. It's that really pretentious kid at the arcade like, hey, let's, let's go play some like, uh, you know, fighting games. He's like, no, 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 I'm going to play the intelligent cube. And you're like, <laughs> you're like what? It's 50 cents. There's, there's always, eight levels. There's always, there's always that guy. Uh, no, I could definitely see that in this situation, you know. And like I said, it has that, at least for me in my time playing, it has like one more try mentality. Granted, if I was paying every single time, I probably wouldn't be as motivated to continue. Uh, but I could see that being like, you know, like you said, in those in those arcades. Yeah, I'm just I'm trying to stretch this out because I don't know how much longer I can talk about. <laughs> well, some, something that I, I feel I feel bad because I fucking suggested this. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Ben. Well, that's about it. Uh, something that I didn't know is there's actually like different modes in this game that you can do. Yeah. There's like an 100 attack mode, which is a game mode where player faces 100 singular puzzles. And obviously, you know, trying to beat as much as you can. Uh, there's a survival mode which I imagine is just like endless blocks and you just survive as long as you can. Um, and there's, there's a create mode. Wait, what? It says, it says similar to the original mode of the original IQ. The only difference is that the total number of rotations are calculated. Don't know what that means. I don't know. You're also under the Karushi final section, which I'm not 100% sure what even that means. Oh, is this not until... Karushi was like the the name of it in Europe, I think. In 1999, a sequel to IQ Intelligent Cube was released known as Karushi Final Mental Blocks. IQ Final in Japan. Uh, So apparently there was a sequel to this game called Karushi Final that had all those things that that Jared was reading that has nothing to do with Intelligent Cube. I mean, the sequel sounds much more interesting. (laughs) Well, this game kind of got some pseudo sequels on the PSP. Granted, different publisher, different developer, but they're called Intelligent Quotient. It was like uh, like Practical Intelligent Quotient, and there was two of them on the PSP. What a terrible name. Yeah, Intelligent Quotient is not... 
that just makes me think it's math and I'm going to be sad. <laughs> and this one's a little different. It's like you're placing blocks to cover up these lasers so you can progress through the level. So it kind of See, has... that has something to it, at least. Yeah. Because it, it reminds me, have you guys ever seen the movie Cube? No. So it's like a... Um, it's just this game. <laughs> it's a, it's, no, it's a B-movie from the 90s, but it got like a bit of a cult following to it. So essentially, it follows a group of people who are stuck in a giant cube. And basically what it is, is each room... It's similar to there's a game, I can't remember what it's called, but basically they're in a room and they have to work out how to progress through the cube to escape. And some rooms will have traps, some rooms won't, and they have to basically work out what they're doing. I'm 100% going to watch this. It sounds very interesting. <laughs> it is honestly amazing. If you've never watched Cube, I highly recommend it. Cult movies from the 90s, that's mine. Know, that's there right. was, um, there's actually rally. a trilogy. They've done three of them. Oh yeah, but it, it, like that sounds like something like that. You know, like I want to know why this guy is on this platform yeah. in what is essentially a black hole just floating like, why why Jerry was playing i was like this is my hell this would be my hell <laughs> just trapped being called stupid over and over again <laughs> in an in an iq void and, and then just dying and falling and then having to reset i'd be like oh yeah this is this is nice this is a fever dream I was that some developer that. came up with is intelligent cube is my sleep paralysis demon <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's it's crazy for sure. I definitely feel that it's one of those things that if it if it had a narrative to it, yeah, like I feel like it would do a lot better, a lot better. I think it would be interesting if there there kind of was a narrative, but like as you progress, there's like this this like foreboding voice kind of narrating. I don't know, maybe what's happening anything. or like <laughs> anything. Just reading the dictionary, just reading Catcher in the Rye <laughs> in the background. Uh, yeah, I. The the one part of, of story, which is very brief, is at the very end, before going into the final level, you... Like, descend? You stand, you run all the way to the end of the row. So, obviously, you're on this very long, well, in our case, very short <laughs> row of blocks at the end of the game. Hey, okay, I got uh, to the end. And the, there's a middle block, so there's an odd number of blocks across. I think it's seven. So, in the middle section, you stand, and then all the other blocks fall, like, away, fall away, and you're just standing on a single cube... And then you ascend upward into the void of nothingness, and, and then that's the that, that's then you start the final, and that's the game. Which again, I, the final, it, even though it came at the wrong time because I thought I was finished with this game and I wasn't, uh, and it was fairly difficult. But something like you know taking away the player's ability to see where you've activated and deactivated spots is a fine mechanic. Yeah, you know if it was like in the beginning, level three. Not level, great. not level essentially nine when there's like a hundred <laughs> blocks coming at me at once. And I'm like, well, I can't see. So let's just, let's just see how this goes. Yeah. Or even if they'd done it. So like there was a cube that if you accidentally caught it with an advantage cube, it temporarily did, got rid of your mark. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That would be interesting. Do you know too. what I mean? Like some kind of mechanic like that. Or even if you could lift cubes and put cubes back down, that would be cool. Like, like cubes roll under it. And what then... would you do if you like, I guess just the, the concept of like the cubes stacked on top of each other, like what would happen at that point? Well, you just have to delete one and then catch the next one as it fell. Cause if the cubes rolled together, so would, it, would it be like, as they roll, it falls. Yeah. But they would also roll as a unit. So it'd be like a rectangle. And it would fall mm. flat, and then the other one would come up with it, and it would fall flat. Look, 
that would be interesting actually if, so if it- you could even do like gaps yeah so like you you need to leave it say it's like a two wide gap mm-hmm. you need to leave it three wide until it crosses that gap and then you can take it apart because otherwise it will fall through and you'll lose interesting well this is good I, how what could we have done what mechanics could we have done to make this game better yeah anything literally, <laughs> literally anything <laughs> uh I would have done turns. Like, I think that would have been cool. Like, that, like I think one of the cool mechanics of this game is is when you delete stuff, you're creating a maze you have to go through. Right. So, like, if you make it super wide and then you can do, like, left turn and right turns and you have to get to the end of a level while also, like, missing cubes. Like, take away the fact that the hard the challenge is necessarily, like, keeping as many rows behind you as possible so that you don't fall off. And it's really just making but you... But making like, you move up. through a maze while trying to delete yeah. these things and avoid these blocks. And then if you can get to, like, the end point, kind of like a Mario game where, yeah. you, like, you hit a flag and then... Yeah, it, it would be interesting as well if they had, like, branching paths, too. Like, there was, like, a, you know, your singular gray blocks that you're standing on. And then, like, it continues through, but it also, like, diverges right. Yeah. And you can go that way, and maybe it's, like, different. Do you know what else would be cool? If there was, like, a block that every single roll, it alternated between a normal cube and a forbidden oh, cube. That would be interesting. Cool. That'd be f- yeah, like, so fucking hard. <laughs> <laughs> or even like in the two-player, like some kind of mechanic where it's don't like a... like a No, don't play as two-player. But <laughs> if, if it's like some kind of mechanic where you have a set amount of cubes and you're trying to destroy as many cubes as possible while screwing over the other person... Do you know what I mean? So like yeah. leaving leaving forbidden cubes in places that's going to make it hard for them to get to and well, it would like be a interesting. competitiveness to it. Yeah, if it tracked like, I guess, you know, both players quote unquote IQ and it was like competitive where you were like, you were trying to get the other player either trapped by forbidden cubes or crushed by cubes or have them activate forbidden cubes and stuff Do you like know how that. mad I'd be if in 1997 someone was like, yo Kyle, come over to my house, we'll play video games. We're like, oh sweet man, or it'll be over. And they're like, what are we going to play? Like, Intelligent cube. I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> excuse me? <laughs> Just leave. <laughs> I, I mean, I... I still liked this game to a certain extent. Um, I gave it an okay. Yeah, I... I Capital F, fine. <laughs> I don't want to get into, like, the full kind of review, but it's it's an okay game. But just for comparison, like, I was talking about the puzzle games that came out in 1997, yeah. right? Uh, just if you look at games in general, uh, just to list the first seven here, Final Fantasy VII, Castlevania Symphony of Night, oh, GoldenEye... <laughs> Curse of Monkey Island, Diddy Kong Racing, the original Fallout, the original Fallout, and Age of Empires. Oh, Star Fox sixty four came out in ninety seven as well. Uh, hmm. So every time I think that, like, don't we run? I still enjoyed this game, but you look at things, it's like, oh, cool, Tomb Raider two, Turok, Crash Bandicoot two, Quake two, the original Grand Theft Auto. I mean, I was. Yeah, that that's wild that all those games came out this year too. I was trying to see so G Artists is the developer of Intelligent Cube. And I was trying to see what other games they've made, and they've made a decent amount of games. They, they made, made a, Ghost in the Shell. They made a Ghost in the Shell game. They made Ape Escape. Oh, that sounds okay. They made Papa Rappa the Rapper. They made Digimon <gasps> World Champions on DS. They did make Papa they made Rappa. Rappa the Rapper. Yep, that's the same that they made up for the PSP. The Digimon oh, World so... Championship. Yeah, Digimon World Championship for the Nintendo DS. Uh, I think this game would be great in two. Th- yes, on a smartphone in early two thousands. This reminds me. There were so many of these block based puzzle games yeah. early on in the app store because they were easy to make. 
They were easy to develop. It required very little work, and they could just pump them out for a dollar. They, there was always at least one of them on, like, the top 10 games in the App Store. And, like, I, I think maybe that's a little bit also of why I don't necessarily understand this game, because my context of this style of game has always been mobile. And playing it on a console feels like, well, this is underwhelming. The only other thing that I could say about this game is that I would love to see some kind of, like, resurgence in, like, competitive Intelligent Cube. Ooh, that'd be cool. We do like a tournament, see who gets the highest IQ at the end. You know, let's do it. Something we got to rebirth this, <laughs> Anything. this game. <laughs> Anything. It'd be interesting. I mean, you know, in this day and age, we've seen so many like obscure games get re-released and you know actually have some success. So it would be. I mean, this game did get two you know spiritual successors on the PSP. So who knows? Maybe. Maybe I could see this game being on Switch or a version of this game being on the Switch. Uh, yeah, I would not buy it. But well, no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, in unrelated news, because you're talking about games coming back, have you heard that there are many, many, many rumors of a Metal Gear Solid remake? I did, I did hear that, and that, and apparently David Hayter has confirmed it. He said, he said it is happening, but I still, it would be cool. I don't know who who would be developing this, but I think that Blue Point that did the Demon Souls remake should do like a full ground up Metal Gear Solid remake. That'd be so cool for like PS5, like from the ground up. On so long as I, I'm down for it. So long as they rewrite Meryl. Yeah, you kind of have to. <laughs> um, is, it, is it really Metal Gear Solid at that point though? Yeah. <laughs> is it Metal Gear Solid if you're not staring at someone's ass? <laughs> you can't, you can't spell Metal Gear without misogyny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I mean, I don't know what else you guys want to say about Intelligent Cube. So we we can we've talked about this a lot, and we you've definitely heard our opinions, but we'll go around and give our official yeah thoughts and well, the should you play it? Should I guess, you play and or who should play it? Right, I think that would be a good thing. Like, who is this game for? Yeah, okay. Who wants to start? Kai, you've had very strong opinions about it. So <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> uh, all right. Um, are you the kind of person who? collects calculators do you have only turtlenecks uh i got the game for you (laughs) do i have a game for you uh i don't know who this is for honestly like i think puzzle games now are almost exclusively aimed at like the the mom population like you look at things like candy crush and like they're set up to be addicting in a way this sort of is as i think jared said where it's like like oh i just gotta i want to finish this level like i just want to get through it um i you know i'm not sure i there's so many other good puzzle games like if you've ever played monument valley on ios that's a great game it's a great game i had i have not played it that's something that was well well, interstitial episode monument valley Valley. um no i think the thing i can say about this is maybe this led to a lot of games in this kind of space mm-hmm. like i can i can imagine a lot of people playing this in 1997 and 1998 in, in japan and elsewhere and then kind of taking this and making other games based on it and there are a lot of games that take place in a void that have rolling blocks and like they're very good that i've played on mobile and and elsewhere and so if, if that is like your game if you're like yes this is kind of like the the first version of that or at least the first version yeah. that i'm aware of so maybe come back and play it just don't expect any of the f- like depth. fun changing depth that you get in the other games yeah. in this one um 
overall, I, I don't necessarily understand the appeal, especially in, in compared to the games that came out the same year, but also in today's, you know, puzzle game landscape, it, it falls flat. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll go next. It's, it's hard to like recommend someone to like purchase this game. I don't think I would do that. Like if you were thinking about like wanting to play this and your only option was like, you were looking at eBay and you were going to buy it unless you like are a collector of PS one games or like had nostalgia for this. I don't think you should buy this game. If you have a PS one classic, try it out, you know, like give it a shot. I mean, it's play the tutorial levels. And if you're not like, if you don't have the mentality, like I had where I kind of felt like I wanted to, you know, try one more time and, and get through this and beat this, then, you know, that's all you need. Then move on, and there's significantly better games on the PS1 Classic that you can play through, um, including Oddworld. Including Oddworld, Oddworld, Final Fantasy VII, Metal Gear, <laughs> all fantastic games, much more compelling than this. Uh, I do think that if it had some kind of narrative, even if it was simple, like it would have added at least a little bit to the appeal of this game. Other than that, it's like, like you said, it's it's. I don't know who this game is really for because if you do like puzzle games and if you're I don't know, looking at games that came out in 97, there is other puzzle games that do tell a compelling narrative that are interesting. So that's what I think. Okay. Ben, take us home. I, I'm, I'm with you guys. Um, I'm sure there is a very, very, very niche group of people out there. The nichest of niche. Yeah, who would who would love this game? Um, if you or a friend has a PlayStation Classic and you get a chance to play it, sure, why not? You know, give it a go. Um, if you have a means to emulate it and you're genuinely curious, yeah, yeah. Uh, do you need to pay $60 to play this game? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It's one of those things that it's interesting. It's interesting. Like with the other games we've been playing, you know, it's, it's interesting as a, as a time piece to kind of see, because although we said about the lack of narrative, you know, compared to the other puzzle games that come out in 97, it did also kind of, I guess in a way set this idea that a puzzle game doesn't need to be any more than a puzzle game. That that's what I was going to comment on too. Yeah. So, you know, it it does have it does have a history piece to it in some sense, but you know, I would by no means say that you're missing out by playing this game. You know, even yeah. even if you're super curious and you don't want to do any of that, you could just go onto YouTube and watch some gameplay. Yeah, watch a, watch a playthrough of it. Don't even watch playthrough. Just go and Google the, the music and listen to that, and you will have experienced the best part of the game. Yeah, 100% uh, hands down. That's true. That's true. Uh, no, like what you were saying, Ben, I think that, uh, you know... I completely lost my train of thought. Cool. cool, cool, cool. <laughs> Talking about puzzle games not needing a narrative. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you're right, you're right. I think that some people might not want a narrative or even care for it. You know, they might not want this game and be like, I don't care about this character. I don't, this character doesn't need any motivation. I have the motivation and the motivation is to beat this puzzle game as fast as I can so I can get this quote unquote IQ so I can feel happy as a person and not cry. <laughs> I, don't, I don't, I don't know if not wanting a narrative is a human trait. 
Like, I don't know of anyone who, first of yeah, all, a I good narrative, you don't, you don't even notice. Like, right. it just happens and you're compelled by it. And you're like, oh, I understand the motivations of characters and stuff like that. But I, I don't, like, like, there are good puzzle games. Like, a perfect example is um, Portal. Yeah. Portal has a good narrative. Absolutely. And it, and it created a cult kind of cultural understanding around that narrative like people are like oh don't eat the cake and like all that stuff yeah. but you don't feel it cake is a lie. like you don't notice it's there it's when it's taken away that you're like oh, oh yeah this feels empty this feels like something's missing and that's what's wrong with this game yeah. like if this game had some form of like humor or story that went along with it that you're like oh like okay i get it it's funny like mm-hmm. oh this is this is the interaction this is like the character interacting yeah. with this situation that it's in there's none of that it's just like well here you are, here's a puzzle, and here's some very fancy music, and I hope you have a good time. Just to play devil's advocate, um, is that not essentially what the Dark Souls franchise does? Like, I mean, there is a lore to the Dark Souls franchise, but who actually knows it? You know, a very, very finite <laughs> amount of people actually understand the lore of the game. The warlock. You're, <laughs> you're playing the game because you want challenging gameplay and you want to fight the bosses. Yeah. Same as... Um, shadow of colossus you know there was a game i played called eater that was just a bullet hell game and you were essentially playing as a girl who was trapped in this dimension and needed to defeat these 10 spirits to escape but you weren't there for the plot you were there for the bullet hole you were there for the bosses i mean i think dark souls has maybe not the greatest narrative but at least has atmosphere and environment which makes it interesting like, as you're saying, there is a lore. There's a world in which it exists in and that yeah. it's well-defined. It's like, oh, this is scary and it's intense and it's very hard. And, and I am not a fan of those games by any <laughs> means. So I I don't really understand the motivation of people wanting to be that challenged by a video game. But, I, you know, to each their own. Yeah. Uh, but this doesn't even have that, really. There's no world building in this. You really just have kind of one existence. But that's that's a valid criticism, I think, is that, you know, maybe not every game needs a complete story arc or hero's journey from yeah. end to beginning but i think there needs to be at least a little bit like a kindling of something there to make people want to continue playing it i mean i think that i think that the genre of games that don't need a narrative is very small um yeah i would say that like puzzle and bullet hell and those kind of dark souls-esque games are probably the only three that i could think of yeah Outside of stuff like games and Sims and stuff, right. yeah. But, but like you said, all of those games, like you said, Kai, all those games have this atmospheric storytelling to them, where like you have a location, you have a world that's being built around you, and you don't need someone to be like necessarily telling you a story during that. Like the story is you just exploring this world, or you know, trying to you know conquer the challenges that are coming towards you, like maybe a cube. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but your intelligent cube takes place in just this abyss. There's no world around it. You're on this this stretch of blocks, and your only goal is to get to the end. Of I it. think I know who would like this game. If you play Sudoku, like like the, the, for the writing for fun, I've never understood. Like I I know how to play Sudoku. Like I get it. Like, I don't. I, like, I get I it. Still don't understand. And and I still think <laughs> like why would you do math willingly? Like I have to be forced to do math. Like that is a last resort in life if I'm having, but like people do that shit for fun. So maybe that these are the people they're like, Oh, I like a mental challenge. Uh, And that's it. That's all. Yeah. That's kind of what I was saying is that, you know, some, although we may not be those people, there are some people who play puzzle games (laughs) for the puzzles. Right. They want to get that 500 IQ and unlock 
Kurushi mode or whatever happens when you do that. There it is. That's it. You can't ascend to the heavens if you're like under 200 IQ. Yeah, if you have IQ of nine, you're going straight to hell. <laughs> I really wish to just drop down. <laughs> you're an idiot. You're an idiot. Go to hell. Well, that was our opinions on Intelligent Cube, guys. You guys can decide for yourself if this is something you want to try out. But thanks for listening. Thanks for making it to the end of this episode. Well, hang on. Uh, do I was going to say, are we going to are we going to announce what's happening next? Because I'm kind of curious as to yeah, Kyle yeah, is going to talk say about next. it. Yeah, so I was going to say next. I'll say next week. You had me scared. We are starting our, <laughs> our our next major. <laughs> Don't worry, I got this. I mean, I mean, you guys are in my hands here. My hands are cusped. You can't see it, but oh my one. god! Next week we're playing Kentucky <laughs> Route Zero. Next week we're starting our next main game, which is Kentucky Route Zero. Uh, and Kai, do you want to give them a little a little a little, a little taste of what's to come? What is this game about? Sure. Uh, Kentucky Route Zero is a indie game, uh, which is my thing, uh, which is yeah. a ma- based on the genre of magical realism, which was uh, developed by an author named Gabriel Garcia Marquez in the, in the 1980s. Um, and it's kind of about non-reality and things that don't make sense. So prepare to be challenged, I guess, would be the mm-hmm. first thing. It's also a point-and-click adventure game, which is kind of an old style, so maybe also not uh, for, for a modern audience. I don't know. I really like this game. I only played the first uh, episode. There's five episodes in this mm-hmm. game that are that are acts. I only played through the first one, so I'm very excited to tackle the other ones. Uh, it takes place in rural America and kind of is, is around the idea of, you know, the fall of the rural areas outside of, you know, major cities in America and kind of the economic hardship that comes around with that. Uh, and I think that's that's kind of where we'll leave it. We'll we'll jump into cool. Act One and we'll yeah. It's lo- quite an experience. It's a beautiful game. It's yeah. a beautiful art style. There's great music. Uh, yeah, Kai has been telling me about this game for your, a long time, and I'm excited to finally start it. Uh, luckily, this game is already segmented itself. So each episode, we're just going to be playing through an act. Yeah, we will be talking about our time through Act One in the next episode, and I'm excited for that. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm excited because. Not only have you promised it to be like plot and narrative heavy, which is my thing, um, yeah. but it's the first main series we're going to have on this podcast, excluding the first episode, where none of us know what's going to be yeah. happening. That's true. After the Act One, after Act One, yeah, we have we have no no concept. I mean, aside from you, Ben, playing a little bit of Intelligent Cube as a kid, but I mean. Listen to this conversation. There was a lot that came out of Intelligent Cube. So. I have a strong emotional connection to Intelligent Cube as a child. But yeah, I'm really excited about this game. Uh, guys, make sure to follow us on social media, Instagram and Twitter, at PlayAlongPod. We would love for you guys to play along with us. And if you do, let us know about your experiences on our social channels. Uh, and don't be mad when, when you play this game and you're like, this was bad. And we're like, yeah, we, we, we told we you. Told you. <laughs> uh, but... Kai, Ben, you guys have any any closing thoughts here? That's it. Cool. I'm good. Well, guys, keep your 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 hearts cubed and your thoughts <laughs> intelligent. <laughs> and we'll see you next time. He has an IQ of nine in in real life and in intelligence. Okay. See you later. Bye, Bye. guys. <laughs>